0: generational wealth is more than just a trend you know it's kind of like this thing right now everyone's jumping on it but it requires two parts right you build the wealth then you protect it yes you have a business yes you have this wealth that you're building and you're working but if you don't protect it you've done nothing as far as you know generational wealth goes you know so that second part is passing it down to your loved ones and that is making sure you have beneficiaries on account you know something as simple as that it's free (laughs) you don't even need to have an attorney to go ahead and do that something as simple as you know having a joint account owner in the account so that you avoid probate or having a will or for people that have a more complex, you know, doing a trust. So really generational wealth is not just establishing a wealth and, you know, having a business and making all this money, because if you have nothing set up to pass it down, you just create a wealth. It's not generational wealth. It requires those two parts. And I think that's why I try to hone into my clients and my followers that it has, you have to look at the entire process to actually truly have generational wealth.
1: Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. What if you could hang out with successful women lawyers, ask them about growing their firms, managing resources like time, team, and systems, mastering money issues, and more? Then take an insight or two to help you build a wealth-generating law firm. Each week, your host, Davina Frederick, takes an in-depth look at how to think like a CEO, attract clients who you love to serve and will pay you on time, and create a profitable, sustainable firm you love. Davina is founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer, and her goal is to give you the information you need to scale your law firm business from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue so you can fully fund and still have time to enjoy the lifestyle of your dreams. Now, here's Davina.
2: Today, I want to introduce our sponsor, Noble Marketing. Over the last four years, Noble Marketing has tracked more than 250 law firms and discovered 60 to 80% of new client calls were generated through Google My Business and Google Ads. Basically, you need to be on Google and Noble Marketing can help. I recommend them because they have an incredible guarantee. Your campaign will be profitable in three months or less, or they will work for free for an additional three months. If they fail after a total of six months, They'll refund your entire investment, including ad spend. If you could use more qualified leads, I encourage you to reach out to Ronnie Deaver at noblemarketing.co. Mention you heard about them here on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast, and Noble Marketing will waive your setup fee, instantly saving you up to $2,500 or more. And now on with our show. Hi, everyone. It's Davina Frederick. Welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. I am super excited to have my guest here today, LaRour Jean-Pierre, and she is the founder of JP Law and Wealth. I invited her on today's podcast because I think she is a unicorn indeed. She is not only an attorney, but she is also a financial advisor. So I'm really excited to talk with her about her journey to this career that she's created for herself, how she got here, and how she made it through law school while working full-time as an financial advisor, and all the questions. So welcome, Laura. I'm so glad that you're here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here with you.
2: Wonderful. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your law firm and the type of services you provide and who your ideal client is?
0: Definitely. So our firm is a combined firm, so we're both a law firm and a registered financial advisor financial advisory firm in the state of Florida. So we mainly focus on estate planning because it goes well with our financial planning side. So we do wills, trust, we do a little bit of probate because it comes with the territory. And the financial planning side, we really do financial planning and a little bit of wealth management for our elite clients and also investment consulting. So for the people that don't really know how to invest, but want some personalized license guidance. So we kind of the ideal combination of law and finance, right, to make sure that clients are not only, you know, following their goals as far as their finances, but protecting those assets with estate planning. So that's kind of like our spiel there and making sure, you know, we actually provide generational wealth.
2: Right, right. I want to get into kind of your thought process and that decision. But before we do, let's go back in time to what embarked you on this career. You worked as a financial planner, a financial advisor before going to law school. So give me the journey, like, did you go to undergrad with the idea I'm gonna be a financial advisor or what was your dream?
0: Definitely, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be an attorney as you know, typical that sounds, right? And then I like numbers, right? Compared to most attorneys who hate numbers. After undergrad, I found a job at Wells Fargo and I was a personal banker and I realized my love for finance and throughout my career, I was able to kind of get more into the financial field but I was still dedicated to go to law school. So in law school, I was able to see, okay, estate planning makes sense. And while I was a financial advisor, I'm like, this is the perfect marriage, right? Because financial planners and not attorneys, they have to go ahead and find a financial advisor to refer their clients to. And I'm like, well, I'm in law school. This is estate planning. I could do both. Of course, you know, the main driven factor behind it, I had my license to financial planning side. and I didn't want to lose them. So I was like, there's no way that I'm losing years of studying and, you know, kind of like the mini bar for the financial side. So I had to find a way to combine them both. And that was the way to set the firm up and be able to do both <laughs> under one umbrella.
2: So what made you decide instead of going straight to law school for out of your undergrad to become a financial advisor? I know that you said that you went through law school without loans, without scholarships. You paid your way. Did you set this up in intentionally this way to begin with? Say, I think I want to be a financial advisor. I need a job. I need to make money. And so I'm going to do that. And then you said, you know, I could, this will fund my dream of going to law school. Like, How did that all come about for you?
0: So I did not want to have any loans. I have other friends that went to law school and I've heard the stories of, you know, a quarter million in student loans. So I knew from the get-go, I did not want to take any loans. So I took about two years break. And just working at the time I was working at Enterprise, just saving and making sure, okay, this is what loss was going to cost. And realistically, to have at least two semesters ahead. I didn't have the full bulletproof plan I was making as I go, but I knew for sure I was not going to take out any loans unless I absolutely had to. So I worked full time. I would get out of school. I mean, I'm out of work at 530 or so, class starts at six, till about 10, and just study till about two and do it all over again. But I knew I did not want to have any student loans because I wanted to have the option when I graduate law school to choose my path. Right. And not feel like because I have the student loans, I have to take a position as an associate attorney that I hate or really have no passion for just because I have the student loans that I have to go ahead and pay off. So that was really the determining factor between, okay, yes, it's hard, but we're going to make it work and not um, take out any loans as, <laughs> as much that's as we can. Wonderful.
2: That's <laughs> wonderful. And that's so inspirational that story, because I think that it shows that that you can do that. You can find a way to pay your way without taking out loans. Because I think a lot of people now are being discouraged from going to school because there's this thought of loans, but you really thought through a path that said, okay, what can I do to make good money while I'm going through law school and make it a, a feasible career? Do you do much financial advising now within your role as a lawyer? And is there any requirement for sort of differentiating that with clients so they really understand this is me with my financial advisor hat with these set of rules and this is me with my lawyer hat with these set of rules?
0: Yeah, so a lot of disclosures um, (laughs) that goes into that, making sure the client understands just because we are a financial advisory firm, we have a attorney and client privilege. And I have that in my contracts as well to make sure, okay, I'm helping with your estate planning. Sometimes it digs into the finances, but we don't have that relationship unless we sign a contract for that. With the financial side, we do financial planning. We do provide for our client the last will and testament, but they still have to go ahead and assign an estate planning engagement letter to make sure we kind of make that line clear that, you know, when we're in our attorney hat, we're your attorney and vice versa. A lot of times most clients can understand that they can say, okay, I'm your attorney. I'm not your financial advisor and vice versa. So it's just really a lot of disclaimers to be in compliance, but most clients, they really love it. They see the vision and they appreciate it. Say, okay, I can come to you and do everything all at once.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Did you decide to start your firm out of law school or did you think that you were going to graduate of get a job someplace or was this kind of the plan all along?
0: So a little bit of both, right? So um, a good friend of mine, we was supposed to start the firm together and that didn't work out, but I wanted to get the experience, but I graduated in the middle of the pandemic, 2020. The bar had been delayed. I almost went crazy. So it was at that time, it was kind of like, okay, what is the plan? What is it going to look like? Instead of waiting to you know, work with somebody else to get the experience, maybe we, you know, lunch now. That was where we were at. 2020 was not the best year to try and to find unemployment, you know, within that field.
2: Right. So you decided as a result of that, I'm still going to go do the thing I want to do. And it sounds like you kind of set yourself up so that you could do this. You could start your own firm if you wanted to, because you knew that that might be, you know, a challenge in getting a job that really fit what you wanted to do, right?
0: Definitely. And because of my financial licenses, if I didn't set up the like an IRA firm, which is what we are, I would lose them. So I had to find a way to keep my licenses either by working for or by establishing my own firm where I can go ahead and keep my licenses.
2: Yeah. So you also say that you did this because there's a certain population that you wanted to serve that you felt all to serve. So tell me about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So within our community, um, the Black community, there is not a lot of estate planning that goes on as far as education-wise. We either don't know about it or we don't trust the people that are saying it to us. So I find that even working as a personal banker, that was kind of the big missing gap. To have clients come in and they don't have anything you know, set up or the beneficiaries of account. And you hear horror stories of people that did not put beneficiaries on accounts or some people having a will. And they have to go through this entire process because no one was able to educate them properly or tell them, OK, this is what you should be doing or should not be doing. So really, that was kind of like a motivator impact there as well to say, OK, I want to be that person to be able to say, OK, you can trust me. I look like you. And not only that, I want to educate you to see how can we make this better? So even, you know, not everyone going to be able to grasp the idea, but able to have some kind of little bit of knowledge and pass it on to the next generation so we're not all completely lost when it comes to estate planning and not such a foreign kind of concept (laughs) to us.
2: Right, right. You talk about generational wealth and some of your, you know, content that you put out. And I'd love if you could sort of share, I think there's a misconception among people that I'm gonna start a business and that's gonna be something that will automatically create generational wealth. So can you kind of give us like what you share with your clients in terms of, because I know that's a mission for you is to sort of help people build generational wealth. So can you sort of share with us what you think some of the elements are of building generational wealth?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I always tell people generational wealth is more than just a trend. You know, it's kind of like this thing right now, everyone's jumping on it, but it requires two parts, right? You build the wealth, then you protect it. Yes, you have a business. Yes, you have this wealth that you're building and you're working, but if you don't protect it, You've done nothing as far as you know generational wealth goes, you know. So that second part is passing it down to your loved ones, and that is making sure you have beneficiaries on account. You know, something as simple as that is free. <laughs> you don't even need to have an attorney to go ahead and do that. Something as simple as you know having a joint account owner in the account so that you avoid probate or having a will or for people that have a more complex, you know, doing a trust. So really generational wealth is not just establishing a wealth and, you know, having a business and making all this money, because if you have nothing set up to pass it down, you just create a wealth. It's not generational wealth. It requires those two parts. And I think that's why I try to hone into my clients and my followers that, it has, you have to look through the entire process to actually fully have generational wealth. And, you know, as you think about your generation to come, you want to make it as simple as possible for them to inherit that wealth. You don't want to go ahead and have them go through probate, which is going to take a lot of that wealth and that time and that stress just by, you know, if you set up things properly in place, you could avoid that.
2: <laughs> right, right, great advice. I was seeing something the other, just this last week that I thought was really great and discussing generational wealth. And that is that in addition to the, you know what is it like the llcs and the keys and you know all these things right <laughs> they're passing down that it's so important to pass down to teach your children about how to manage money as they're growing up and to pass down knowledge because if you're passing them wealth and you haven't educated them on how to manage that wealth i know it's something with my nephews i'm always discussing then they're bored <laughs> with me they roll their eyes but i'm always talking about money to them to get them to understand that because, you know, one day they're it for us, for our family. I don't have any children. So I think it's a fascinating topic creating generational wealth. And I know in the Black community, it's particularly important this concept of passing down generational wealth to family. I often find a lot of Black women attorneys talking about the importance of that to them.
0: because I think, like you said as well, like passing down that knowledge as well, right? Because we can set it up and we have the knowledge, but if we don't sit down with our kids and say, okay, this is what you set up as a budget right? Believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't even know how to budget, right? Right. If we have that conversation and say, okay, this is how you budget, this is how you save, this is what a credit card interest means. So when they do inherit that wealth, they can go ahead and pass it down properly. So, you know, going back to what you said, the knowledge is also very important part of generational wealth to make sure that we're not only protecting the wealth, but also teaching our children, teaching our counterparts to see, okay, this is how you make sure it continues on.
2: Thank you for subscribing to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We'll get back to our show in just a few seconds. But first, let me ask you, are you struggling to set up systems in your law firm business? Maybe you're not sure where to start, or maybe you have some systems, but not all seven of the essential systems in place. If that sounds like you, then I invite you to go now and watch my free training on law firm systems. It's called Seven Essential Systems You Need to Scale Your Law Firm to Seven Figures, Plus Three Mistakes to Avoid. In this training, I give you the straight scoop on law firm systems, what you need and why. Plus, I share with you a way that you can learn the best way to set them up with total ease. I promise you, it doesn't involve you doing more. The link is in the show notes, so go watch it now. And now, back to our show. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know there's not much time outside of being a financial advisor And going to law school and then starting your own firm. You're probably spending a lot of time doing that. But tell me a little bit about yourself otherwise, like you know, about your family and the things that you like to do when you do have that minute for yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This whole minute. I think the thing that I have a good life work balance, if that even such a thing, I like to travel. So that's kind of like my number one passion. Last year I actually hit 30 countries. It was before 30, but not quite before 30 was at 30, but it's okay. (laughs) That's (laughs) so impressive. (laughs) That was a milestone, and I love that. I like to travel. I like to, you know, experience different cultures. I work out a lot. So I am the last of, you know, three. So I am the only attorney in the family. So I kind of practice all kinds of laws, unfortunately, because they call you for everything. And I'm like, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't do real estate law. Like, sure, I'll go ahead and take it. But I do love my family. I'm very family oriented. I'm very close to my parents and my siblings. They like my world. So, you know, just really... Outside of, you know, work and running the firm, I'm just living life, really. I try to live work at work and not be the person that goes on vacation with their laptop or their phone. You know, every now and then, you know, we check an email, especially with the financial side, you just, we turn off when you manage people's money. But I try my best to make sure that when I am offline, I'm truly offline for the most part and really just enjoy the moment.
2: I am really impressed with the 30 countries by 30. I know that our listeners are probably going to want to hear some advice around how to manage money in a way to be able to do the things you were able to work and go to law school you were able to travel to 30 countries by the age of 30 what would you say is would be good advice for somebody who wants to be able to pay off their student loans and travel more and just have more resources and more money for themselves what do they need to know
0: I think budgeting is a big part of it because I was like the budget queen when I was trying to pay for law school, right? So a lot of times we think budget is a way of restricting them, but it's not. It's just for you to kind of plan ahead. So when you are spending, you're not feeling guilty and feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, now I have this regret, right? I think budgeting is the number one thing, but also using resources. Part of me paying for law school was me asking my firm at the time, which was Charles Schwab, if they had tuition reimbursement, right? We have this misconception that if you're in a field that if you're going to school, unless it is closely related, they won't approve it. And that is not true, right? You can only ask and they can say no, then you go to plan B. And that was part of the way that I paid for law school because they were able to go ahead and provide it for me. With no strings attached. So the minute that I got it, I didn't have to stay for a certain amount of years until I had to, you know, quit or pay it back. A lot of companies have that. They have those options, but we don't know, we don't ask because we are afraid or we just kind of have this misconception, just ask. That's oh. a great
2: idea. I had that as well for my undergrad. I was able to yeah. graduate without mm-hmm. loans from undergrad and it completely, it was like a hardware company. It no longer exists now, but they had tuition reimbursement and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. What other kinds of things would you say would be good for people if they're wanting to sort of get better at their finances?
0: Yeah. So also just knowing where your money's going. So knowing, okay, my monthly expenses are these, my monthly you know, income is this. So actually have, knowing your numbers, the same thing we know, I think a lot of people talk about when we're in firms, like know your numbers. What right. does it look like on a monthly basis? Because if you don't, you're going to be feeling like you're overwhelmed and not knowing where things are going, but knowing your numbers and just doing research and resources again, even with um credit card companies. That's the way that I was able to travel out of countries because I use my credit cards for points. Granted, some people don't have the discipline to use credit cards because, you know, they just get into trouble. But if you have that discipline, instead of using a debit card or cash where you use a credit card that gives you points and I give you travel points, why not? Right. You know, trying to find different ways to kind of make things work. But knowing yourself, knowing that if I am using this credit card, am I disciplined enough to pay back? Am I disciplined enough to not get into trouble? And if you are, then look for that as an alternative to go ahead and spend to get some points and be able to do the things that you want to do, like travel or just have extra cash, cash back.
2: Right, right, right. You're kind of unusual in the attorney world because you're the person who doesn't raise their hand when people say you're an attorney because you hate math. Right. You're the exception (laughs) to that rule. But I have found that I was a really great math student, like top math student, but at the age of 10. But then they started throwing numbers into my math and that's where I started getting. So that was the part I didn't like. I mean, I started throwing words, uh, letters into my math, not numbers, letters. And so yeah, 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 all that. Exactly. All of the trigonometry and geometry and all of the ometries. But one of the things that I've learned about starting and running a business is that business math is not as complicated as people make it out to be. Running your business managing your personal finance, a little knowledge can go a long way. In a business, it's a roadmap. I mean, it's your GPS for running your business. You have to understand financial statements and things like that. Have you found that to be the case as well?
0: Yeah, I think it's very simple because I think, also, because you're your business, you care about it. It's not just, you know, a math homework. It's like, this is my livelihood. And I think for most attorneys that, you know, hate numbers, is because they trying to live it for it. keep pushing it, and, you know, do it all at the end. But I tell people all the time, if you break it down, it becomes less overwhelming. So instead of waiting till quarterly to look over your numbers, do it monthly or semi-monthly. So where, you know, it's not all at once, and you're still knowing your numbers and not feeling so overwhelmed, where it's like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out all this things. I mean, and we're in a world that you have excels, you have so many things. That makes life so much easier. <laughs> right. Instead of you doing, you know, actual math by yourself. So it's doable. It's definitely doable. To your
2: point, automation I think really helps us a lot more than, you know, what it used to be 10 years ago, 20 years ago to manage something. And you know, also there are tremendous resources. You can use bookkeepers to help you line up your numbers like soldiers. And then you just have to understand how to, you know, interpret the information. For individuals, budgeting is sort of the same type of thing. It's about having the data there. Then you can make informed, educated decisions about what you do with your money instead of just it comes in and automatically goes through your fingers. Have you always been a disciplined sort of person that way? Self-disciplined?
0: I think so. I think even early on, that was kind of like my thing my mom always said, you know, that you're just that person. It has helped a lot because especially in, you know, running your own firm, as you know, It takes that discipline because some days you don't feel like doing it. Some days it's just not the day, but you know, it has to get done and you just kind of push through and you do it. And once you have things kind of set up and it becomes a habit, it's not as bad because then it's kind of become part of your everyday life and, you know, kind of the flow. Some things I'm still trying to find the perfect flow for, but everything is a working process. And I think that's what I'm learning as a firm owner you will never get to the point where you've mastered it all. <laughs> There's always something to, that's changing <laughs> or that you have to learn. So I'm trying to give myself grace when it comes to that part. And it's like, you know, it's okay that I did master this in two weeks. Like allow myself to grow and allow myself some grace.
2: Yeah, for sure. Business is pretty young, right? It's only a couple of years old, right? Yeah. yeah. So you probably, do you have very many people working with you at all right now?
0: now I was thinking of getting an intern, but... It's just because of the way that the work is and as far as compliance wise I trying to slowly hire really trying to see things that I could do myself. I know I need to delegate things that's probably one of the areas that I need to figure out, but it's just I'm very slow to hire because of compliance as well. I'm trying to make sure because of the way the firm is set up with the financial side and having access to clients' accounts just to kind of make sure that I hire right
2: yeah, you have to be really careful with that because on both sides there's a lot of confidential information and I'm sure. A lot of rules, especially on the financial side. I know you're governed by the SEC, right? So there's rules. bunch
0: of rules. It's like endless rules, both from the Florida bar, from the, it's it's a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You just need somebody to hire somebody just to help keep up with the rules for you. (laughs) 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 What's on the horizon for you, for your law firm? What ultimately is your sort of vision for this law firm?
0: I never want to have the biggest firm. I want to be an exclusive firm i want to keep it that small field that boutique firm but essentially in five years i want to be able to just take 10 clients a year and be fine to where it's not you know a monthly of 5 20 clients but really just 10 clients for the year and be that exclusive law firm but still very well known i don't have the goal to be you know everywhere and just have our firm just you know a brick and mortar just every corner I like the idea of a boutique firm, but an exclusive firm that only takes 10 clients a year and that we are, you know, the go-to person when it comes to generational wealth.
2: Right, right. I love that. That's a wonderful vision. And I'm excited to follow your journey, continue to follow your journey. Can you tell us where we can contact you if we want to follow you? I love your Instagram. So that's one place I follow you, but tell us where else we can find you.
0: Yeah, so Instagram is at the finance attorney. So finance attorney, Um, you could go ahead and reach out to our email at info at jplawandwealth.com. Our website is www.jplawandwealth.com. The words are spelled out and our phone number is 407-990-9468. Our office is in Orlando, but we have a virtual office space also in Fort Lauderdale.
2: Yeah, that was what I was about to ask you next. I thought you were here in Orlando where I am, but so you have it also. I'm in Central Florida, so I'm in Seminole County, which is,
0: you know. Okay. I thought it was in room. Tampa for some reason. I don't know why. I assume they were no. Tampa.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people, I'll get that a lot. I get Tampa or Jacksonville. Those are the two that people think I, I'm like, no, here I am in Sanford, like Mary. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll have to meet up someday. Yeah. But I'm really <laughs> glad you were here today. I've enjoyed our conversation a lot, and I'm glad that you're out there doing this providing this service and combining these services, because I think that's going to be so helpful to your clients to have that in one place. And I know it's a huge accomplishment for you. I take my hat off to you. I know law school was so much work and I can't imagine working full-time as a financial advisor while going through law school. So what a wonderful achievement. And then starting your own law firm. So my hat's off to you. I thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom today with us. And
1: that'll be a wrap. It's
2: a pleasure. <laughs> thank you.
1: If you're ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to visit us at WealthyWomanLawyer.com to learn more about how we help our clients create wealth-generating law firms with ease.